3, 2, 1. Welcome to Tie Your Camel. I'm your host, Mohamed Shirek. Thank you for joining us. This podcast covers personal finance, professional growth, and paying it forward. We release a new episode on Wednesdays. Today, I'd like to talk about layoffs, job loss, and more specifically, what, if anything, you can do to proactively position yourself to not be impacted by a layoff or a reorganization. Before we go further, I think there's a, a question that we should first just get out of the way and answer. And that question is, can you, can one really make your position recession or layoff proof? In other words, are there things that you can do to make your role recession proof or layoff proof? And the answer to that is not really. Unless you're the owner of the company, it's, I think, difficult to say that one could 100% make their position layoff proof or recession proof. So then what are we talking about? What I'd like to share here, there are things you can do to make your role, to make your position in an organization at least recession resistant or layoff resistant. There are things that you can do to make your role one of the last ones that senior leaders in an organizational reshuffle would look at and say, well, that's a role that we can eliminate. And the way you do that is fairly straightforward, but it has to be done before the tumult starts. In other words, when a layoff process is underway, it may be too late. So for those who are not impacted today, for those whose organizations are not going through a mass layoff uh, process, this would be the best time to take a step back and say, which of these steps can I implement to make my position recession or layoff resistant? Not proof. There are no guarantees, but at least further down the pecking order of things that would be targeted in a cost-cutting measure. Before we get into the details, it's good to set the scene. From macro conditions to micro events specific to an industry, or even one that may be confined to just one company, firms lay off employees for a myriad of reasons. And it would be quite difficult to enumerate all of them. So what we're instead going to do is just look at frameworks that you can pick from as it makes sense for the role that you are in, the industry that you you operate in, and the company that you work for. It's also important to realize that a layoff, a job loss in that manner is not an indictment against one's capabilities and competence the way, say, being fired would be for cause, right? If you are eliminated because you're not performing, that has a negative tinge to it. Future employers could be resistant. You may rightly feel ashamed that you couldn't meet the standards of the former employer and therefore were terminated after going through the due process. But a layoff has rarely anything to do with competence. It has rarely anything to do with one's capability. Instead, layoffs are simply a calculation of the difference between the value a particular role adds to an organization minus how much that role costs the organization. Notice I didn't say a person. It's not about the person in the role. It's about the role itself. When an organization is challenged from a revenue or cost perspective and they need to reduce their overhead and a cost reduction by way of a layoff is on the table, well, which roles do they eliminate? They clearly can't eliminate the roles that would play a pivotal role in bringing in revenue for the business or 
running the operations of the business. They look at the roles that are on the periphery, roles that can be done without, at least on a short-term basis. So I think that gives a hint on the steps that one can take to make his or her position layoff resistant. And the first step is you want to align your role with the core of your function, division within a company, or your overall company. I think that bears repeating. It's not about which function you're in. Most functions are important to the running of a company, from HR in people, to sales and bringing in revenue, to operations in either producing the widgets or delivering the service. All functions, from finance to accounting, every function is important. We're talking about within the function. So regardless of what your chosen profession is, you want to get to the core, the most critical part of that function for the organization, the division, the company that you're in. And no one knows that better than you because you are in the function. You're more or less an expert. So understand and find out what the core of your function is. If you are in an operational role, try to get to the part of the operation that actually makes the widgets or is critical for the manufacturing of the widgets or is critical for the delivery of the service. If you're in sales, be in the center that brings in the actual revenue, a role that is tied directly to revenue generation. If you are in HR, legal, so on, pick any function, do the core of that function. That is one way and probably the most important way that you can make your role recession resistant. The next step is be able to clearly articulate and demonstrate how your position contributes to your company's main revenue generating activities. In other words, even if you're not in sales, but you are directly tied to the services or the product that the sales organization is selling, then you can have a clear line to how the activities that you perform, the results that you deliver are tied to the revenue that your company generates. Number three, this is crucial, and a lot of people sometimes lose sight of this fact, You have to ensure that your results, the results that you deliver on a daily, monthly, weekly, yearly basis, the big wins that you have are widely shared. And when I say widely, I mean at least two levels above your manager. There are people who are fortunate and have great managers who promote them and do the work for them, but you can't count on that. It's your job to make sure that your manager and his manager and her manager, they all see the great work that you're doing and how it's all tied to the company's main goal. The fourth one, and this one is a little bit harder when you're in the role, but it's something to consider for future roles, that is avoid individual contributor roles if you have people leadership in your title. And here's what I mean. If you have the title of a manager, but you don't have a team reporting to you, those types of roles are easier to scrutinize than those who have teams that they lead. It's much harder to disband a team and figure out how to have a team managed compared to just one person. And even worse, if you have something like director in your title and you don't have at least one layer of direct reports. So those are the four ways that you can make your role recession resistant, layoff resistant. No one ever controls exactly what will happen because that's decided at a much higher level typically in the organization regardless of the size of the organization. But there are concrete steps that you can take today, tomorrow, the months to come to position yourself to be able to withstand whatever the economic uncertainty of the times may throw 
your way. My favorite thing this week is a book titled The Prosperity Paradox, How Innovation Can Lift Nations Out of Poverty. The book is written by Clay Christensen. He's a long-term Harvard Business School professor, recently passed away, and he's the developer of the theory of disruptive innovation. So the theory of disruption, which has been a buzzword for a long time now. He's, he's the originator or the person who conceptualized it and put data behind it. And it's been termed one of the most influential business ideas of the last 100 years. He was the author of many books and articles, and his counsel was sought by companies large and small. He has two co-authors on the book, Ethosa Ojomo, who was a student of his at some point, and Karen Dillon. The central argument of the book is that the critical drivers for creating and sustaining prosperity for many countries, which means finding opportunity in struggle, investing in market-creating innovations, which among other things, creates the jobs that help grow a local economy, and executing a pull strategy of development, in which the necessary institutions and infrastructures are pulled into a society when new markets demand them. In other words, they argue in this book that the hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars that has been spent on supporting the developing world didn't really have much of a chance at longer term sustained development because the approach was wrong. And they provide plenty of empirical and anecdotal data to support that. And from their perspective, when they say prosperity, here's how they describe it. Quote, what do we mean by prosperity? There are some obvious and commonly used proxies for prosperity, such as access to education, healthcare, safety, and security, good governance, and so on. The Legatum Prosperity Index, which ranks 148 nations in these categories, also includes several other metrics, such as environmental efforts. While these measures are important in assessing the well-being of members of a society, we believe that an even more important proxy is access to gainful employment and upward social mobility. So for the purposes of this book, we define prosperity as the process by which more than more people in a region improve their economic, social, and political well-being. It's a fantastic book. I haven't finished reading it, but I get the gist of where they're going, and it aligns with my outlook for how to approach solving some of the intransigent problems that the world has faced, which from my perspective, would be a human-led, market-driven, institution-following process. I care about this topic because, as I suspect many of my listeners are as well, I am from the developing world, I was born in Africa, born in Somalia, a country that, though has tremendous potential, has been beset with a whole host of problems for the better part of three-plus decades. And I've always believed that human ingenuity, homegrown innovation is the ticket out of the challenges that not only my country of birth, but many other countries around the world are experiencing with endemic underemployment, unemployment, economic instability, political instability, corruption, lack of governance, and so on. If you look at the history of the world, both developing and what they call the developed world, it was human innovation businesses driving the institution building, not the other way around. And that's the main crux of this book that I'm enjoying. My tip of the week is related to the main topic of our episode, which is to update your resume. For a step-by-step -step guide on how to craft a winning resume, 
listen to episode 34, 34 of this podcast. It is titled Resume Best Practices. It would be quite helpful. And it's always a good, really best practice to refresh your resume every year. And at the beginning of the year is a great time because you've just concluded one year and your deliverables and the wins that you've had are fresh in your mind. So jot that down, pull it from your performance review, update your resume. Be ready just in case. That's our episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, do me a favor, follow or subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Your reviews will help others find the show. If you find the content helpful, please share it with your friends and family. If you'd like to submit questions, topic ideas, or feedback for the show, our email address is tieyourcamel14 at gmail.com. Important disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to provide general education. I have not provided investment, legal, or financial advice. Please consult a competent, licensed professional to receive personalized advice. Thank you for listening. Till next time, go tie your camel.